last podcast, grumpy. Well, maybe not the grumpy last one, bear. but the one before that, grumpy. The one before that, frumpy. <laughs> and it's uh, completely outside my control. <laughs> I'm ask I'm asking you to pretend, fake it till you make it. You, you know the Serenity Prayer, right? Uh, <laughs> something yes. about not being able to control whatever is bothering you. Change of pace here. We're going to provide therapy today on <laughs> on the Grit Podcast. <laughs> uh, well, so Terry's back with us. Uh, yeah, it's good this, to be back. You know, this uh, week. I don't know if you you heard him chiming in there, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm back. A couple I, of weeks I, I, ago, I, he was out. Where maybe, did you go? Yeah, you know, maybe that's what is making him so grumpy that I'm back. Like, <laughs> God damn it! I have to put up with this game. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I did say a couple of weeks ago he wasn't too grumpy, but uh, you yeah, weren't here, yeah. so it's so, a uh, coincidence. So, if so, fat so. Uh-huh. WNBC. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just got back from my vacation uh, a week ago. Um, I was in uh, Las Vegas in San Diego. We got to swim in the ocean and burn up on the beach. So it was oh. a good time. Yeah. Oh, good. A lot of good food. Got to spend time with my family. It was fun. Nice. So you had I a good wish time. you guys were there. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know what you know what we'd be doing, Josh. No. Okay. Well, see, the thing is, when you have three friends, like the, the best the, friends, the, 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 yeah. When you have three friends, the dynamic is always two friends roasting one. Yeah. yeah so. That's how it works, right? And yeah. you you realize very quickly when it's your turn to be roasted because. <laughs> It comes out of nowhere. You get hit like like it's a big old bag of bricks. <laughs> Just falls falls right on your head, impaling you into yeah. the ground even further. Somebody. Hey, thanks, guys. I already struggled with self-esteem, but this is great. <laughs> it just shows that we care. Yeah, we care. So what, what I was saying is, I mean, you know, like since... Terry was was down there, you know, for his family and, you know, like he's he's trying to put on his his best face, you know, like, hey, this is my family and represent it would be us to I would like to think it would be us to uh, just roasting the hell out. of him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would assume that's what, that's what would happen. And my <laughs> so that we that have a little, sound effects board yeah now. <laughs> sound effects board it's actually a plastic wand that josh found King, on his King seat george over here <laughs> josh josh found the wand on his seat <laughs> pointing straight up so every time you guys say something to piss me off i'm just gonna <laughs> oh my god I believe in miracles. Well, I'm glad you had a good time in uh, Vegas and San Diego. Welcome back. My grumpiness has nothing to do with you being back. (laughs) My grumpiness has everything to do with sitting there, minding my business, playing a little Call of Duty before anybody gets here. And I got (laughs) this guy right there, over there. (laughs) You died. Every step. In that match, so no, I was, I was, I was just uh, observing, and, and then you just I can't believe you're still me. dwelling on this. Yeah, that, that was like two hours ago. Two hours and, ago. Uh, well, it wasn't two hours ago. It was uh, 48 minutes ago. It's just it's getting under it's getting under Josh's skin, and I I, I can tell, and I should probably stop, but but you won't. He, he went upstairs. <laughs> he went storming off upstairs, and of course, 
I just, I can't get it out of my head. I can't stop singing it. It's, <laughs> everybody needs a little time away. I didn't storm upstairs. I went to look for my daughter. Is uh, that getting under your skin, though? Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I'm sorry that my friendship bothers you that much, oh. Josh. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, I'm sitting in between these Joe, guys, and I just I can just smell the tension. Well, there's no tension. The beef just... intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you say brief? No, beef. <laughs> oh, man, there's a lot of things that are, are happening are, are, right are there that are pissing you? you off. Are we triggering you, Josh? <laughs> that's, that's, that's Josh's response to this entire podcast. It's just going to be <laughs> Trigger <laughs> waving me the wand. <laughs> Trigger me, Timbers. Oh, my God. Welcome well, to Grit. <laughs> <laughs> this is Grit. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, did you do anything fun? I mean, you said you spent some time down in Vegas. You, you spent some time in in San Diego, but uh, I mean, was that you were on the beach? You well, got I, some uh, sun. What did I you in, eat? Because I know you ate everything. <laughs> everything. I ate everything. So in Vegas, um, you know, we did uh, like these pork burgers, like ground pork burgers. Like the uh, the what is it? Belly uh, pork belly. No, no, it was actually. Oh, like, this was, was like, your talk because you, when you said the pork belly, you were talking about the tacos. The tacos, yeah. Okay, so so, so we had the, 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 this ground uh, pork, and they made these like pork burgers, you know, uh, with crinkle cut fries or whatever, and this uh, sriracha mayo. Ooh, not Ooh, not <laughs> not the garlic aioli. Not the garlic aioli, <laughs> but uh, 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 went to Total Wine in uh, Las Vegas, found a uh, nice bottle of scotch. Oh, nice. Um, and for those of you who don't don't know what Total Wine is, uh, you know, like if you're from the if you're in Montana or you're from Montana, uh, you you wouldn't you wouldn't know what a Total Wine is unless you actually went outside yes. of Montana. Yeah, Total it's, Wine it's, is it's like, just like a, a Walmart for liquor. Man, I would consider it like the and, Costco of yeah, liquor because yeah. it's got it's got everything. Everything. Scott, they have everything like divided in the aisles. You got your scotch, your bourbon, beer. Uh, yeah. American like, whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. So any anything you want, any, anything you want that has uh, some kind of alcoholic content, you can find a total wine. And they even have like a uh, monk beer there that's really good. Uh, like some some rare stuff that you wouldn't normally find like, uh, anywhere. Like Smead or whatever it is. That, they uh, might have mead there. I'm pretty sure they do. Jo- uh, sorry, we're both looking at Josh. <laughs> Josh is a a mead drinker, and clearly that has triggered him. <laughs> 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 dude that's that's a lot of i mean okay so what don't I, be what mad I, what i got at total wine was a uh Belvini 17 year uh double wood scotch and that's, that's you, good you could um pour a shot of this take a swig of it yeah, with the the cuss, grapes the grapes <laughs> of wrath and uh take the little shot you know and you can actually you could swish it around your mouth and that way you can get all the taste in it and uh you know how like most cheap whiskeys are they'll burn your mouth and everything burn out. no this was just absolute yeah. smooth whiskey smooth so when you say smooth i instantly think of Smoot. billy billy d williams <laughs> <laughs> not jb smooth but billy d williams yes 
Colt 45 yeah. works every time. Grit yeah. brought to you by Total Wines, yeah. apparently, is what's going on. Oh, uh, no, no. I was just. I, it's I, not the Walmart just, of, of liquor, it's, it's the, the Costco. Costco. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was just feeling, listen, well, I was just yeah. filling people in because, you know, like oh, in Montana, God. like our, our, our liquor laws are, are completely different. So this is just trying to, you know, fill in and, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I feel like you have said a total of 10 words. So, you know, I'm yeah. trying here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me uh, let me take this wand here and see what we got. I'm mad. <laughs> Just okay. when I think I'm gonna clear it, so like clear the anger, I, and yeah. then all get of a over sudden, here. <laughs> in comes Ben and Terry, and they have their little. Things that just set me off, and I'm just like over here trying to let it go. I'm trying uh, to Jesus. let go and let God, and instead I got you over here, Baby. jalopying in here, just you and Terry. Oh, well, did you know, Josh? That when it snows, <laughs> it's like a series of things that have just set me off since last night. And they just keep rolling. That Warzone game, I just... Oh. It's still, so why, why are you blaming it on me? You should be blaming it on uh, whoever yeah, was playing Why are you blaming it on Smee? Because as you come waddling downstairs and in here, you look oh, over... Oh, I was outside helping <laughs> your children. <laughs> yeah. With your teeth, just sucking air through them, laughing at me. It just... <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I was just, I was already kind of like grumpy because my kids and then, you know. So let's project that on Terry. Thought. <laughs> well, Terry and some, Ben. And Ben. As Sometimes, soon as they get here, boy, I'm going to let them yeah, know. Yeah, those idiots. <laughs> I'm a, I, the way that he grabbed that wand this time, I was afraid he was going to club me over the head. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought too. You know, people, when you're just, you're okay, but you're just at that point, like, <laughs> Your ceiling is just right there. Taking me to the boiling point. In comes Fatty and Fatty Jr. just stomping on that roof, just breaking through, pissing you. It was just, you know, it's just one of those things, man. I'm, just, I'm trying to turn it around, and I think they're going to play ball. And then, oh, nope. Man. Just, just, just hold on for one more day. Uh, hold on. I'm coming. I'm about to start singing ICP's F the World, dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, so God, another ICP yeah, reference. Juggalo for life. <laughs> <laughs> the great Malenko. Oh man, boiling point uh, reached. So, so anyway, so, sorry, yeah, sorry so, for that shameless plug about Total Wine. Yeah. My bad, Josh. So then, what else I did was I went swimming. We had uh, my brother had a pool, so we went swimming. Um, and then that Monday. We all got in our vehicles and drove uh, to San Diego, stayed in a condo on the beach. Did you wear your mask? Did you comply? Well, when I had to uh, go into public places, yeah. You're, For their benefit. You're a good little citizen. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Terry was actually telling me that uh, the Vegas went back to, to phase one this, uh, the week yep. that he was there. Yeah, so, like, it was, it, like, you know, and not so I, much. I assume Montana will be going that way, too. People no. don't just wear their mask and not cough on people, Josh. You yeah. know? Like when they sneeze well, or cough. Well, I mean, it may have a lot to do with the fact that before, when we first introduced phases, is this another scarecrow the fallacy? limited uh, amount of tests we had <laughs> determined the amount of positive cases we had. Mm -hmm. And as soon as more tests came out, 
obviously more people are going to be infected and they make it look like a resurgence of the COVID-19. And really it's always been here. And I think COVID is going to be one of those, it's going to be just like the flu. It's going to be every season. There's going to be COVID, the flu, herpes, whatever else Ben gets. And then, <laughs> uh, it, you uh, know, so I, whatever you know, flare up no comment. I mean, I, I take it serious. Like I'm all about wearing masks and stuff. I just like to give people crap because you know, this is a germ free zone. Yeah. It's just how quickly we surrender. Did he say that? When you say, because you said it like three times, this is a germ-free zone. I never said germ-free zone. I don't well, care. No, I, uh, if you ever watch The Aviator. Uh, oh, the, yeah, the that's right. Capital, it's The Aviator reference. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's all like big germaphobe and everything. And when people come to visit him, he's like, oh, this is the germ-free zone, you know, because he thinks that toilet paper across the hallway would mean that uh, germs wouldn't get in there. <laughs> I always think of uh But no, I, I did wear an uh, from N95 uh, mask when I was on the plane. Ooh. Yeah, cuz Wow, the fancy. And I mean, you see <laughs> how some of these people are that don't cover their goddamn mouth when they cough. You're like when you when you go to Walmart in your pajamas, Josh, you know, you don't see those people with the uh Digging in my ass, <laughs> grabbing a bag of Oreos. That's my food stand. Yeah. Pajamas. Right, right in his rascal. Pajamas. Nah, nah. He doesn't wear pajamas, man. He has he has a button fly on his boxers, so that's good enough. I just go in with the uh, skin colored uh, leggings <laughs> and a roll of thin mints. <laughs> so that way, everyone's like, "Look at that guy." <laughs> no, I, I haven't been ever since Walmart did the pickup delivery thing i haven't been in a walmart in a long time yeah i mean uh, albertson's doing it now too so yeah. i mean that's fine I, I despise going into grocery stores so terry saw me today with my mask on and you if anybody knows me i don't it like lo- to, it looked like a, i don't uh, like to spend money at all that that go in underwear he said no, he said it looked like a used diaper <laughs> you know it had holes in it and everything like it was, his underwear, torn, you know? it was, it was like just it was torn was like well, how what did you do did you just get a flannel shirt no no it, from your days of wood whittling no, <laughs> no this was a mask like it was one of the you know like it was a hospital mask it wasn't an n95 mask yeah, excuse probably me probably the one he wore when his daughter was born but, uh, <laughs> was from his gallbladder I, did, I kept it i kept it i don't want to pay for a mask during the COVID. COVID crisis because you just knew that in 2020 (laughs) i can't wait to see when covid mutates with the flu i can't wait to see what what happens then apparently there's now a pig virus or something there's always something don't worry when the election's over it'll we'll go back to status quo and oh oh yeah you think so come on tell us only reason well i'm this isn't a political tell me uh, more tell me more I, I it, it's uh, it's election year, man. Of course, like uh, killer hornets and <laughs> yeah, I know the, um, the murder hornets. Murder hornets. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> the sandstorms. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, the, the, the sand. Yeah, the sandstorms. Yeah, the mummy, the Saharan, face. The Saharan desert sand just somehow counters <laughs> the jet stream and yeah. makes its way back to Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, that's a 2020 sandstorm. Oh, it's probably has a, the mummy's face. In it. A, a wave comes rolling into New York and Alexandria Osasio Cortez. It's like, oh, see, sea's rising. We're all screwed. Like, it's going to happen. Like, oh. And then when Biden wins, and then it's going to be all of it's just going to go away by December. Not to be too political. Well, I don't care who. I, that whole thing. Uh-huh. I'm just saying I, I see what's going to happen. That's why we got to get, get away from the two-party system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just go with a house party system. <laughs> Kid and play. That's actually two people. <laughs> this is grit. <laughs> this 
is grit. <laughs> Hey, so, so, uh, so, uh, hey, welcome back to Grit. Uh, if you're listening, if you're following, subscribing, thank you very much. Uh, please leave comments, in, you know, in your social media venue uh, of your choice. Any uh, questions, anything you guys want, want us to hear or talk about, let us know. Uh, if you think that uh, there's some questions that we can answer for you, um, we'll get back to you. So on the on the last podcast, well, first of all, I need to introduce the uh, the, the podcast itself. It's uh, series two, episode three, subsection A, <laughs> parts, parts B, C, and D. Uh, no, uh, we're talking about sinners make the best saints. Um, and where we left the last podcast at, we were uh, talking uh, uh, talking to Jeremy about uh, Bethel Church, uh, but m- more so than that, uh, his his history, his upbringing, uh, his background, and we, we really didn't get into the the, the the church aspect of it or, or what the, the outreach or the, the ministry in general at Bethel is is doing. And so we're, we're, we're going to touch base on that uh, today uh, in this, particular episode because it comes right down to the the grit podcast core belief in the fact that um when we look at a church when you know josh and i and terry look at a church you know what i'm looking at is is i i want that to be a direct reflection of christ um where i i see what what christ had done with 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 five loaves and two fish and uh was was able to feed multitudes um, but if you take it in, in, uh, if you look at church today, it seems like there's a lot more going into church than five loaves and two fish, metaphorically speaking, of course, um, and not a whole lot coming out of it. However, there are churches, there are exceptions to at least the observation that I see. Uh, and I believe that, that one of those exceptions, uh, happens to be Bethel. And, and so I would really like, uh, really like to expound on that would really like to to talk to jeremy more about that and so that's a lot of of what you're going to be hearing today josh decided to take a back seat after his grumpy ass mood so he's sitting behind me just like with his hands on his head like he's got his and he's got his legs crossed twiddling his toes <laughs> drinking a fresca <laughs> So, at any rate, uh, that being said, I'm not. You're not going to hear a whole lot from Josh on this particular podcast after the banter, and I apologize for that. Um, well, I guess I'll apologize on his behalf. Um, but without further ado, welcome, Jeremy. Glad to have you back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, last podcast we were talking about um, background, your 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 background, your your history, your your upbringing, where right. you came from. Wandering the streets, the whole Mortal Kombat thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get over here. Right. Well, it was more like, get over here, you know, looking for somebody to fight. Um, but uh, through Christ, completely transformed, completely changed. Yeah, absolutely. And so the thing is, it's uh, that's I, I think that's fantastic. Like, uh, and I do appreciate you sharing your your life with us and your time with us. Um, I'd really like to to start by. Um, you know, like just drilling right down to 
to Bethel? Like, like what's going on with Bethel? Uh, and to start um, in the community that you're in on the south side, mm-hmm. uh, what are the biggest challenges that you face right now? So truthfully, I think maybe the biggest challenge that we face is that um, I want to be I want to be really humble here and, and acknowledge, you know, like none of us, none of us is perfect. None of us does everything the right way. And so I'm not perfect. And, and I don't want to come across like I think my church is is perfect or anything like that. But I think one of the biggest issues we actually have in our neighborhood is that um, churches and Christians have tried to minister to the neighborhood and neighborhoods like them, like the South Side, um, in unhelpful ways. Um, and so what, what I see a lot of is people who are willing to show up into a neighborhood like the South Side, where it's low income, high crime rate, lots of addiction and lot of just lots of brokenness and people uh, from churches with and I I. I would like to think that they have good intentions and mean well. Sure. They they often come into a situation like that for a weekend or for uh-huh. uh, for a week and um, try to serve in the neighborhood and really don't accomplish much of anything in their time there. Like you know, feeding somebody a meal or or um, you know, helping them out with some moments of need, uh, but then disappearing and walking right back out and no, no ministry that's, uh, stable. And I mean, and there, there are parachurches in the South side trying to do work. And I, again, I think they're, they have good intentions, but I think one of the postures you regularly see from a lot of Christians with a neighborhood like that is a posture of a hand down towards people. Like, um, like, not seeing them as peers, not seeing them as, I mean, I, I don't want to say that they don't see them as people created in God's image, but it almost, I think it would feel that way to the people that they're trying sure. to serve. And so a lot of the Christian message to the the lower income, broken people um, almost feels like, hey, we're superior, even if they're not saying that. It's like when when the only type of relationship you're willing to have with them is one where, where you're handing something down to them, whether you're trying to say you're superior or not, that's that's part of the message that you're actually giving. That's that's kind of the gist that they get, sure. Yeah, and so I mean, and for a lot of people, like I've I've talked with other Christians, and and they're like, hey, you know, they really love that we come in there and serve, and and they and it shows them that Jesus cares. And I mean, I have a different philosophy of ministry, which we'll get to. But what I hear from the people of the neighborhood is that um, they don't see anything from Jesus in that. I mean, some of them are willing to take the free handouts because it's like, yeah, whatever give me this. There's others that are so proud that they're like, man, I don't want your help. Um, but what it, yeah. what it ultimately comes down to is they, they don't see Jesus giving them the opportunity to serve. They see different opportunities that give them the, the position to where they can serve. And sometimes that's white privilege. You know, it's like yeah. they look at these people who come in and serve and it's like, oh, you have the money to give us stuff. Well, the reason that you have this opportunity is because you were born white and in a, a place where you could get a great education and all these opportunities were laid out before you. And I didn't have those same opportunities. And then it just further perpetuates that bitterness, you know, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I so, definitely see that yeah, being so, challenging. So people, yeah, are, sure. people are in the neighborhood are not like, hey, I see the care of Jesus. What they actually see is I th- I see people who think that they're better than me and I need them to show up uh, because I can't take care of myself. I can't wipe my own butt and I'm I'm waiting on these these people who think they're superior to me to come and wipe my butt for me. It's almost <laughs> you know the the way that the way that they would receive those yeah. types of ministries and it's so sad because I mean. 
Um, and this is this this doesn't sound good for many churches, but you know they take pictures and they go back and tell stories and put pictures up yeah. on the screen yeah. of of life change. Like that's the way they sell it. It was like, hey, like those of you who supported us in going in and doing this ministry, we made a huge difference on the people who we had uh, impact uh, had the opportunity to be around, and. Uh, the reality is, is when you move back out of there, if you were there for the weekend for, or for the week, what you don't see is that you had absolutely no impact. Or, or negative impact. Yeah. Or, uh, or negative yeah, impact. Yeah, I mean, because then that's the, that's the concept of, of what it means to serve. Like, that's the concept of what, what Christianity is, and that's not at all. Because Christ didn't come to, to pity people, you know, like, that's not, he came to save them. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't about, you know, like, uh, looking down on any, any individual. He didn't, he didn't bring... Uh, judgment with him at that point he brought grace you know mm-hmm. like he he it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so i mean when you when you have these you know like outside organizations coming in and doing that uh first of all like i i grew up you know like in a very uh, I, my family was dirt poor mm-hmm. and when i say dirt poor i mean dirt poor i mean we didn't even use regular toothpaste we used baking soda if we were lucky we might put a little uh mint with it but but i mean we used baking soda i mean it still had a roof over our head but this house this house that we we lived in be, be, this was after the projects in the uh, the luxury hills of Omaha that Josh likes to talk about, the, rolling hills. the, the silver <laughs> spoon that was that was in my mouth that was tarnished. Um, so the, the house that we lived in after we lived in the projects, it, and this was like there's a row of projects on Q Street. Yes, in Omaha, Nebraska. Like I know that some people are listening, like oh you you, you don't have projects. Baltimore has projects, but. Omaha doesn't have projects. No, we had projects. Like they're rows of brick houses, you know, and and right. uh, and and they all look the same. Well, it's like townhouses, you know, like mm-hmm. they're all together, and there's just rows and rows and rows for blocks and blocks, and uh, extremely diverse neighborhood. But uh, we had we had nothing, you know, and and then when we did move into a house, the house in order for us to move into this house, it was condemned, and my dad worked on it. Uh, worked a deal out and I mean basically had bought the house for next to nothing it still wasn't in a great neighborhood right. everything was still tagged uh, we you know I I it was one of those things where you you walk uh, walk around the side of the school that was just two blocks down from the house and you stumble across a dead body you right. know and that happened one time <laughs> it scared scared the shit out of me <laughs> but bet. needless to say though coming coming from that that environment, and coming from, you know, an impoverished uh, community. One thing that I will definitely say is that in within that community, there's a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the thing is, like, with poverty, poverty doesn't necessarily, didn't, excuse me, poverty never equates to laziness. Right. Okay. So, so when, you know, and, and it could be systemic, it could be mm-hmm. systemic racism, you know, that For we're sure. talking about. It, it could be um, just, you know. Um, circumstances uh, that are preventing. It could be lack of education, which again could still lend to systemic racism. Right. Um, it, it could be a number of different things. But I, growing up in a community like that, I have never seen harder workers. Mm-hmm. I've never seen individuals work harder for their money than being in a community like that. For sure. So, so then when you have, you know, it, from the spiritual aspect of it, you have, you know, this this outside source coming in and saying, oh, we're here to save you. 
you know, that doesn't go over well. No, not in a community like that. I don't need to be saved. I don't need that. And and the thing is, I'm going to get by because we managed to get by for however long. Right. Tomorrow will come. We'll put one foot in front of the other. If you can't pay the bill this month and the lights are off, then we'll light candles. They find a way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just the way it's just the way that it goes. It's the way that it works. And you you accept it. You move on. You deal with it and you get stronger for it. Mm -hmm. Like and so like when somebody comes in like, oh, let's you know, let's give this, let's give that. And, you know, like that's not that's not Christianity to me. And so when you say that that's a a big challenge, I, I totally can relate to that. Like, I understand when, when somebody comes in and says, uh, let's minister to these people. And then they go back and tell all of their, you know, all of their <laughs> privileged friends, like, Hey, look what I did over the weekend. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get my hair braided, you know, and everything right. else. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a missions trip, you know? And I'm, uh, to me, so I understand how, um, how challenging that can be. Uh, and so is, is there on that same note, like, is there anything is there anything that you do to, to curb that, to almost uh, to to protect you, what you can um, to say, like, OK, I like your idea here, but maybe not if you could provide this. This is what we really need uh, instead of this. Like, is it do you do you gatekeep or is it like one of those things where it's like they just swoop in and they're like, we're going to do our thing. We're going to outreach the community and then we're going to get out because it's also not a thing that, you know, like when you go in and you serve, like that's, that's a long-term thing in my opinion. It's right. not just something you're just like, okay, uh, I did this, I'm out. And I worked so hard. And it's like, no, you cannot compare hard work to what some in this community have gone through. For, right. For so, sure. Don't, you know, you do that and all it does is alienate them. All it does is patronize them. You know, it's just like, uh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Hard work. <laughs> all right. Okay, go with go with Christ or whatever whatever it is that you're gonna say. But yeah, so what do you what do you do or or how do you prevent that or, or are you finding ways to 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 circumvent that so that resources that you do need can get to you without it being this this big production? Um, so unfortunately, I like most of the people I have conversations with about it they just don't understand it. And so they're like, no, we're, we're really doing good work. Like we can't control the outcome. Cause like you can point out to me, like, you know, they'll, they'll be done with their ministry time there. And they'll be like, Hey, it was a really good experience. We see that the, we planted seeds. So even if you don't see changes right away, like if you point out to me that we had no impact, it's like, no, we can't see what God's doing. So it, what we did was good, you know? And so like from the most part, people uh, want to continue to do the same thing um, that they're doing. And I like, I think for most people that they, they have good intentions, um, but they really, um, they really lack the um, faith, I think would probably be the best thing to say that they lack. They really lack the faith to believe that um, that we've been called to live a different life than maybe what they think they should be living. And so like uh, one of the things I see a lot is, is people who want to do ministry on the South side. Um, they don't have any real relationship to people who live on the South side, those, those low income families, nor do they want them. I mean, it's almost like uh, we want to be in a situation where we can get credit for loving these people by serving them in brief moments, as much as I can tolerate, you know, and oh, then, yeah. and, and then, um, 
but but not actually seeing them as a peer that they want to share life with. And and I and that's for me where where I want Bethel to be different, you know. And sure. and um and so like I don't I, I haven't had any opportunities to get anybody outside of Bethel to kind of buy into our vision and and even in Bethel so far it's been hard to get people to buy into that vision. Sure. Um but uh, that's the goal, and, and and you know, praise God, there are there are some who have bought into the vision as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, if I was in this alone, that would be really hard. I mean, it's already really hard, but <laughs> but I thank God for the few people who already have that's, caught the vision and are there for the right reasons. That's really cool. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's important. I mean, if you if you're doing it all by yourself, it's it's really easy to get burnt out. Oh yeah. Uh, real easy, real quick, because um, you know those that uh, those that do need and when you're grounded in a community uh, to be used by that community, you, you will get used, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, and, and uh, you know, pe- people are broken and, and, and they'll, they'll come to you without understanding any kind of history or any kind of past or, or they won't know what kind of day you had, you know, but, right. but th- whatever it is that they have going on with their life, it's a crisis at the moment and and they need help 100%, you know? So you have to put your, your feelings, your emotions aside, but then also have enough emotion and feeling to show compassion, um, at, at a, at a Christ like level, which mm-hmm. is only possible with Christ. Right. So, so there's, uh, you know, like, so you have this, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a really fine balance. And I imagine like by yourself, it would be absolutely terrible. So it is nice to hear that you have, uh, other individuals helping you out with this. So, I mean, you said that it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's basically a large, cruise liner that you're trying to turn around in the in the right direction uh and you know like you know (laughs) it didn't work so well for the titanic but uh (laughs) it takes a long time to turn uh to turn a a large ship around just as much as it does take a long time to turn a church around that has been been grounded in a, a certain way um you know to go a certain way well that's the way we've always done it so right. we're just going to continue to do it that way little by little that chips away and you know i imagine that it, that you've noticed that over that you said three years uh at the end of 2020 it'll be three years, three years. So. okay so two, so two and a half right now but yeah. i'm sure even in two and a half years time you've noticed that yeah. uh just the the slow moving it's not quite there yet it's not exactly where you want it to be but but it's it's getting there it's it's it, you know it's going it's starting to go in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then outreach wise, um, so you're talking about outside of the community, the biggest challenges that you have are, you know, the outsiders coming, coming in maybe with good intentions. I mean, for the most part, good intentions. I mean, let's right. be honest. There's a few that are, that are out specifically just for, uh, I checked it off the list, you sure. know, like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get that taken care of or whatever. But mostly with good intentions, but but what they're not necessarily seeing that they're doing is is displaying almost like a a a fake example of what Christ should be, and they don't know it maybe right. unknowingly, you know. But but uh, it gets to that point where it's like, well, I did this and I worked really hard and I I did my part, so pats pats them on the head and says, okay, go go ahead, go back to your you know, um, you know, go back to your community you know, on the south side. I'm gonna go live in the the luxurious hills of of the magic city 
Sorry, uh, th- there was a pause there for Josh. He forgot his wand up here, and I was just waiting for him to ring it. Uh, so outside of the community, or excuse me, outside of the the, the south side, outside of the, the south side community, uh, that's the biggest challenge is, is people coming in. Now, the biggest challenge is to address it within the community. Uh, is there anything in particular that you see going you know, going on there that you would say this needs to be addressed. We, we, we need, we're, we're trying to attack this head on, you know, uh, anything in particular. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is just the basics. Um, and, and again, like we were talking about, it's not that they need help surviving, like people figure out how to survive. And one of the things that's really cool, uh, about low income neighborhoods. And I see it all the time on the South side is that people will form their own little tribes, their own little groups of people that, you know, they help each other survive. And so like, if you're broke today, you're not worried about it because somebody else is going to take care of that. And when you have a little bit of money come in from something like they're so quick to be generous and give it to the rest of the people in their group. Um, and, and you know, I've had people at the church go, why would they give so much money away when they're struggling to pay their own bills? And it's like, because they know when they're out of money and they need some food on their table, the people in their group are going to be the ones who take care of them. And what's interesting too, is you see in their groups that they'll have different people who can do different things as well. So, I mean, almost every one of these groups has a mechanic, you know, where it's like oh, yeah, anybody's sure, anybody's absolutely. car breaks down <laughs> that's the 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 role they're not going to take it to a shop because they can't afford to pay an actual mechanic to do the work you know yeah. so i mean it's just it's it's a really crazy thing to see that that uh they will find a way to take care of themselves and so i mean obviously um there can be a more prosperous life for them in this world, but that's not actually my biggest goal. Like, I mean, if, sure. if they, if they can win the lottery and, you know, live happily ever after, I like, I'm not opposed to that, but you know, like sure. making sure that they have this middle-class white privileged life is not the goal of, of our ministry. And so, um, you know, there are things that are, are, are definite needs there. Um, you know, a lot of kids struggle to read uh, in the neighborhood. And so, like, my wife volunteers to help kids read at the school at Orchard where my kids go. And and so, like, I mean, there's – if you can't read, it's really hard to get you jobs. Pretty much you, do yeah. anything. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there are, there are those needs that, that people have. Um, but I think um, more than anything what's needed in the community is to see the actual – love of God, where they are treated as people with value. I think that's one of the things that for a lot of low-income people, they are used to anybody who's not a low-income person looking down on them like if they don't have value, um, and for various reasons even. Um, and and uh, I think they feel that, and they, they feel like they are viewed, like they don't think they're second class citizens or that they're not as valuable as anybody else. I mean, they might struggle with that from time to time, but I, I think they, they understand that they have value. So it's actually uh, offensive to them for people to look down Absolutely. on them like that. And I think more than anything, um, they need to know that they are created in the image of God and just because of that, they have the same value as every other person on the planet, and they need to be reminded of that, that, that God loves them the same way he loves anybody else. Absolutely. And, and God values them the same way that he values anybody else. And that's really one of the biggest things that they need to know, and, and that they're loved by God, and that they can have a relationship with God. And uh, for a lot of people, I think they have trust issues. You know, like, if the church assumes we're not worthy of God's love, like, why would I want to have any kind of relationship with God? If I have to be a a middle-class person to be loved by God, then I don't need him. 
So um, I think a lot of the problem is, or a lot of what's really needed more than anything. And I mean, I think I think things like education will improve along with uh, a, a better understanding of their self-worth and God's love for them. So my focus is like, even though I would totally volunteer to help a kid read, that's not the main goal for me. You know, it's, it's sure. like, that's just another step to be able to build a relationship where I can let people know like, hey, you have just as much value as I do or anybody else does. Absolutely. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, so then, uh, going forward then, I mean, because I think that's a perfect segue into the next question that I had, uh, where do you see the church in, you know, uh, one, five or 10 years? Man, it is hard to say because like you talked about turning that cruise ship around, it's so slow. It's like, um, in 10 years, we might be like two inches farther, you know, well, just, right yeah, now. just yeah. hope you don't hit a glacier. That's right. all. Yeah. So, um, I have, I have big hopes, um, for Bethel. Uh, and I mean, it, it's going to be miracles from God for this to happen, but, um, I would just like to see, uh, a lot of people come to know Jesus through Bethel on the South side. And that with that, as we continue to grow, that that would just open up more doors and more opportunities to where we could go into other neighborhoods where the, the only Christian influence is what has been in the, the South side, you know, it's people doing that little two second thing and stepping out of it. It's like, Hey, as Wouldn't we grow, cool though? <laughs> yeah, as we grow, like let's Let send, us minister to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, and yeah. And, and then also take, you know, groups of us, like, a, you know, if we grew to a, you know, several hundred people, take a hundred people and go to somewhere else where nobody's doing real ministry there and be like, mm -hmm. Hey, we're starting a church here with this hundred people yeah, to absolutely. do the, to replicate the culture and environment that we've tried to create here at Bethel. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I, I mean, like it, it is, uh, I mean, I, it would, it would take miracles, but, uh, but it's possible. Absolutely. You know? So, so like, is there, you know, when you're talking about one year out, you know, like, where do you see it? Because like, you know, your ultimate goal is, is that, you know, and then potentially to have, you know, like a, a, a church plant, same, same dynamic, same culture, you know, from, from what you had just said there, yeah. um, like, you know, going forward and that's, that's not going to happen in, in one year. Right. But so, I mean, you know, like realistically speaking, I'm not, you know, I'm not stomping on you or anything like that. I hope that that doesn't affect no, yeah. So, but in a year, in a year time, you know, like what are, what are some of the things that, that, that you are looking at doing, planning on doing, uh, even just to lay the groundwork for that, you know, five or 10 years from now. So, uh, to speak to that, I think I need to talk about the last couple of years and what's happened. Sure. Uh, just realistically, when 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 I came to Bethel, we brought several families with us from the church that I was already on staff with, and and merged that group with the remaining people that were at Bethel, okay. and um, and the people that were at Bethel. I mean, it was a, an interesting story, and this happens from what I hear on a regular basis in a lot of places. The church gets you know formed, and over the years, the neighborhood around them changes, but the people attending that church don't change, and then over many more years they had no idea how to reach their own neighborhood. And so as people died or moved away, they, there was nobody replacing them. So the church ends up declining until the point that they can't even afford to exist anymore. And that's why they need to, somebody else to step in. That's what happened with Bethel. And so like literally the people uh, that were attending Bethel were not from the South side and did not have a good relationship with the people who lived oh, on the South gotcha. side. And uh, um, the people that came with me from, from Lifeway uh, were all, all West end people as well. 
And I think that their hearts were in the right place, um, but they didn't know they didn't know anything other than like the ministries that have been done in the past. So like for them, it's, you know, you show up and you want to love, you want to do the weekend thing and then get away, but there's no getting away when you have, you know, service multiple times a week. And so it was really hard for a lot of them um, to just really embrace loving people that, that did life differently than them and did church differently than them. I mean, um, I, I'm thankful to God who gave, gave me lots of opportunities to learn and grow before I actually got to Bethel. So, I mean, I got to go to a conference in Detroit at one point, and it was really helpful for me to see one of the things they talked about there is that white middle-class churches tend to emphasize knowledge as the, the greatest virtue of the Christian. And uh, and so, you know, basically it's like who know, who could pass the hardest test is the best Christian, which that's not Christianity at all. No. Um, and, and so, but that tends to be the error of white middle-class churches, whereas for minority churches, knowledge is not hardly emphasized at all. And what they want, because their life has been so hard for them, is they want hope and encouragement each day. So so um, what they really want is to be reminded of God's goodness, not in a, a knowledge way, but in an emotional way to lift their spirits. Sure. And so the and so I'm, I'm at this conference and learning all this stuff, and, and one of the things I pointed out is how, how different that makes everything about the service. So like in the music, if you go to a white middle-class church, you're going to hear a lot of big words in the songs, and, and you're going to be learning <laughs> theology as you sing. Um, but there's nobody clapping. There's nobody moving, you know, it's, it's totally to stimulate the brain. And, but if you go to a minority church, it is meant to lift your spirit. I mean, like you, you can't be a, a present at a minority church service and not move at all. Like the music is not designed to let you stand still, you know? And, and so, I mean, it's like a jam session and, and <laughs> I know, funny. and they talked about too, how like the lyrics are not the same. It's not to be educational. It's just to remind you of God's goodness. So a lot of the songs will be repetitive even, you know, like the lyrics won't be anything profound. It would just be like God. God is good saying that over and over again with, you know, some music that's meant to lift the spirits and, and B3 organ in the background. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so (laughs) I said, yes. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm at this conference and what's interesting about it is they were doing music at the conference and me being from a a very white middle-class world, that's the only type of church services I've ever been a part of. And going there, I'm like, they talked about this. Now I'm actually singing with them. God is good over and over again, and I can't stand still. And I'm a, I'm a white boy that shouldn't move. It's like, <laughs> I have no rhythm or... Guilty! <laughs> and so, like, but I can't stand still either, so I'm just looking like an idiot. But it was it was a really neat experience, and to, to see so firsthand the differences in church. And so, I mean, it was really interesting, you know, to have that perspective to come into Bethel then and see... Where where we'd have people coming from the neighborhood and their greatest desire for the church was not to learn a ton of information. Like they weren't opposed to learning some new truths, sure. but they weren't, they weren't like, it wasn't like for the, the white middle class church. I think often it's like a school thing. You know, it's like you sit down, you don't move, you don't yeah. talk, you pee before class starts. Yeah. And, and you know, like you just need to focus on what's yeah, it's being very said. rigid. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and we'd have people from the neighborhood get come in and they'd want to get up and stand and move around and stuff like that. And so like seeing the blend of the two groups right in front of you is really interesting. And, and for, you know, s- several of the people who came over with us, it was really hard to get them to see like, Hey, it's not wrong what they're doing. Cause I mean, we so often think the way I do things or the way 
we've done things my entire life is the right way. Everybody else needs to do the things that yep. I do. So you're engrafted and you have those expectations. Like this is what's right. This, nah, this is, this isn't the way we do it, you know? But, right. Yeah. And so people are like, Hey, we need to, we need to set them straight on some of this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, nah. we don't. Um, because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, just thankful that they're showing up and willing to be a part of this. And we're, you know, we're sharing the gospel. You know, we're sharing yeah. the, the good news that Jesus saves and they're here and listening to it. I'm not going to get upset if they're standing while I, while I'm right. preaching, exactly. you know? Right. And so, um, yeah, you're going to lose, you're going to lose people. If you start singing a hymn, like a mighty fortress is our God. The, the very next line is a bulwark never failing. Right. Well, what the hell is a bulwark? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, hey there. Well, and our worship leader, and he does, he does a great job. But one of the things that I, I did have to talk with him about at first, and, and, and truthfully, when we first got there, uh, the people who were from Bethel were elderly. So we're like, hey, we'll keep some hymns in it just so you guys can get Mm-hmm. what you're familiar with, but sure. we're also going to branch out some too. Um, but I mean, there were some hymns where you could notice just by the volume of the people in the congregation singing, like we'd sing one song that wasn't a hymn, a more modern song. And like, you could just hear loudness, you know, of people singing and not everybody having a good voice, but everybody's participating. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then all of a sudden you'd sing this hymn and all you could hear is the worship team. And, you know, so I had a a talk with our worship leader once and I was like, Hey, let's go through the, the hymns that we think are not helpful to our people and, you know, cross them off the list. Not that they were, not that they were bad in their time. Sure. Revisit them in a later time. Maybe never, but right. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) so we, we definitely had to make some adjustments and, and in those adjustments, um, you know, people don't like change. And so, uh, throughout the first couple of years, um, most of the people that we started with have moved on. And so we've, gotcha. we've lost a lot of people in the first couple of years. And at the same time, we've gained, like we lost people who didn't live on the South side and we've gained people that do. And so like, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to that at all. Yeah, re- refi- the the process of refining is never like an easy one. No, uh, it's challenging. Yeah, you know. So and 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 it, I mean, you know, if if you were to go through the same refinement process in a human being, like uh, you know, emotionally, mentally, you right. know, it it would be an extremely painful process. It's not something that's easy for sure. So it's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm changed. You know, yeah. that's not how it works. You're always you're always getting picked away. It's like no, this. is Maybe you could work on this. Maybe you could work on that. And that hurts, you know, like, mm-hmm. wait, I, th- I thought it was good. You know, I thought it was okay. You know, so to be refined, you know, yeah. and, and as a church, you know, it's the same way. Like, so, you you know, you have to take some losses. Unfortunately, it's just right. the way that it is. And loss isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, nope. you know, no. And in all honesty, I don't think we'd be able to move forward without the losses that we had to take. So like you, you talk about what do we want to look like in the next year? I think without these, these first two and a half, three years being what they are, um, we wouldn't be able to be what we wanted to be next year. And so what I, what I would love to see us next year is just continuing to move forward with the group of people that are all there for the right reasons and, and buy into the same vision and, and, uh, want to be what, what I think Jesus wants us to be as a church. So, 
No, I don't. I don't want. I mean, if it's proprietary information, like I don't want. I don't want you to release it, you yeah. know, on a podcast. Um, but you've mentioned about. You've mentioned a couple of outreaches uh, that you've done. We're uh, continuing uh, to do, obviously, with with twenty twenty the way that it's shaping up. A lot of that's different, changed, not possible. Um, you know, due to health regulations or whatever the case is, but. And again, if it's proprietary and you don't want to share your ideas uh, with us, but going forward, you know, like with this whole 2020 thing and, and, you know, assuming that everything is back to normal or even going forward in this new reality, Mm -hmm. um, what are some things that that you've thought about doing outreach wise, but not necessarily have tried yet. Uh, things that you, you are considering trying or things that you would like to do. Um, but maybe not necessarily have the funds yet for it or recess resources for it yet. Um, but things that, that you're like, yeah, you know, I think this would be, I think this would be a great, great way for the community to be built stronger together. Yeah. Um, so most of the outreach stuff that we do is intentionally to be relationship building. Um, because again, I think that, uh, I don't have the opportunity to talk to people about God until they see that I I love them as God loves them. So that to me is where everything starts. And so, um, we have several outreaches that we do already, different events that we put on. And, but again, the, the purpose of them is, is, yeah, I want you to have a fun time while you're at our events. But even more than that, I want you to know that I care about you, that Jesus cares about you. And, and uh, we want to just get to know you, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. and uh, so one and of the not things. just take off the next day and say, I right. did this. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's, it, it, for <laughs> me, opportunity. Yeah. for me, Christianity is, is uh, sharing life together. And so, um, like sharing life together means that you actually share life together. Like you are, you are living in the same area. You see each other on a regular basis and you do the same things, go to the same things. And so, uh, that's, that's really where it all starts for me. And so these events that we put on are basically to, to just give us another opportunity to connect with people and let them know that, that we care about them. Um, one of the things that I thought of, and this actually isn't for the South side, but this is a thing that I'd love to see someday. Is this proprietary? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. One of the I things just, that I yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Well, me. I just don't want to. I don't want you to pop a non-disclosure agreement out. You know. <laughs> right. and, and now you, you, yeah. Now you have to edit this, and you can't talk about this. Right. Um, <laughs> one of the things I'd like to do because I think in many ways the homeless population in Billings is treated the exact same way as the the people in the South Side in the sense that Christianity, what it looks like, is is going to. Uh, serve them on a weekend or one day or one hour, you know, and, you know, saying, hey, we did this great work for the kingdom while having absolutely no impact um, on their lives at all, because, again, it's relationship building. And so, like, if we're actually going to reach the homeless population, the reason that they're important to me is because you see a lot of the, a lot, there are a lot of people who bounce back and forth between Southside living and homelessness. Yep, absolutely. And so, um, what I would actually like to do at some point is hire someone on to be a full time employee that actually their job is to, I mean, obviously they can go home and sleep in their own house at night, but their job is to share life with homeless people. And so, what I mean by that is, like, literally, you go to streets. Yeah, yeah, at eight o'clock. At eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday, I mean, I don't know that it has to be too scheduled, but you know, like on yeah, right, right. Monday morning, you punch in the time card and you spend eight to nine hours on the streets sharing life with people. 
uh, you know, five days a week. And that's that's your paid position because everybody, I mean, nobody has the time to do that unless it's a paid position. And, sure. I, and I think if you were really going to reach homeless people, it's also not going to be, I mean, it, it's not going to be through the one hour ministries. It's going to be having somebody who actually shares life with Relationship, them. Relationship, trust. Uh, Even yeah, valuing them. Like yeah, right. saying, hey, you're homeless, but guess what? You matter as much to God as, <laughs> as I do. So hey, uh, is it is it okay if I share this curb with you? No, no, no what, what are you doing here? Well, I, just, I just want to be here. Right. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's really a, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Building a relationship. That's a very trust. interesting concept. And, I mean, you know, I I, I came from working uh, mental health center hub with uh, Josh and right. You know, just trying to outreach those the, those individuals that uh, are down on their luck you know and but you can't obviously preach anything to them or try to say hey you need to go to this church and check it out you know for sure so, but that, that, that'd be an awesome program if you get that going yeah yeah no that's pretty neat proprietary information you heard it you heard it here <laughs> first uh i i don't um, I, I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the nation, but, um, I like, uh, I don't think, I don't think that it, that's a, a real position. Like it, w- it would definitely be a position that, y- you know, you would have the first homeless liaison on staff, right. you know, like that yeah. would be, <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool, man. I mean, you know, not just, I mean, obviously not just a milestone to say I was the first one to think of it or whatever, but I, I don't hear too much about that. Uh, and the nope, thing is a, a, a paid position, you know, like that or whatever, because ultimately if you spent your entire day living with homeless, you, you would be homeless as well. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I mean, that's like, Hey, guess what guys, I'm going to be joining you long term now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean to, to, and of course to have it, um, you know, to, to have, you know, a certain amount of like needs, uh, met, uh, because, uh, homeless people are, are still people, yep. you know, and, and that would bring, I mean, to me, if I was in a situation like that and I had somebody who just wanted to chill for me, uh, chill with me for like an entire day and just talk where, you know, I see him the next day, like, Hey, you know, like where, where are you going to be at? I'll just uh, make my way down that way. But it would, it would bring me value. Mm-hmm. It would make me feel like I'm, I have at least some value where society views me as completely worthless. Right. You know what I mean? I have no home. I have no job. I have, I have nothing. So I'm worthless, you right. know, but, but I've got somebody here that actually wants, wants to spend time with me. And that provides worth that provides value because they, they want that interaction with me. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's a very, very interesting concept. And, uh, I, I really hope that that's yeah. something that you're able to do because that would be, that would be pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. well, and in, in the Billings community, especially too, because right, I mean, yeah. like uh, at least from the surrounding areas, we we have a very large homeless population, right. and not all of them, or most of them, are not even from Billings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yep, yeah, that's that's great. So, I mean, we're talking about homeless people with with uh, with with no money whatsoever, then taking this to i mean if i could and obviously you can be as tactful uh, as possible or you can just say yeah i'd rather not answer that what is your take what is your take on on mega churches uh televangelists because i mean you you knew this was coming Mm -hmm. hopefully i mean like 
Uh, so I don't know if you've prepared something that's uh, diplomatic, um, <laughs> but um, but what is your take, uh, you know, on on you know, prosperity churches basically or or prosperity uh, uh, ministries? Yeah, so I'm actually a week from tomorrow going to be preaching about Jesus going into the temple and flipping tables over. Nice. And uh, <laughs> I'm, we're, we're, right now we're just going through the book of Matthew, and that just happens to be what's coming up. And uh, what's interesting is, is, you know, what they were doing in the temple is they were telling the people who were, you know, they did the sacrifices in the temple. And so when people outside of Jerusalem were coming to do their sacrifices, they're like, hey, your animals aren't good enough. We're not going to let you use your animals. You have to buy animals from us that you can use to sacrifice to God. Hey. And so here we have this great selection available for you. They're just really, 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 really extraordinarily expensive. And so it was really just an opportunity for them to make money. Like they figured mm -hmm. out, hey, with our position, we can, we can exploit vulnerable people to make money. And they'll do it because of our, our so-called position of being God's spiritual leaders. And so they use that position to take advantage of people. And Jesus walks in on that and flips tables over and swings a whip around. Yeah. And so when I think of televangelists, um, I think Jesus would show up in their churches and flip their pews over and swing a whip at them. They're, they're nothing more than con artists who are using a position that looks like a, a position that God has given them, and they're using that to manipulate people into giving them their money. And it's really just a scam. They don't know God. These people who are doing this, they don't know God, and they have nothing to do with God or what he is or what he wants done in this world. And uh, um, they're getting filthy rich off of it, and it should be a crime. Like, they should literally be arrested for what they are doing. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I got, uh, I got Josh slow clapping in the yeah. background yeah. Uh, because he's not providing any input. Uh, I, okay, but I, I want you to say on air, um, Josh and, and or Ben did not come to me with this question and coach me what to say no no not at all <laughs> truthfully if i went into some of these places and had that opportunity i would love to be the one to flip over the pews um because it actually pisses me off just yeah. to be honest yeah well um because it it does multiple things it, it makes god it makes the beauty of who god is and his character and heart towards people it, it totally sh makes that look shameful and yeah, dirty it steals and ugly. god's value for Ooh. sure absolutely Absolutely. And, and it exploits vulnerable people. And it's like if you believe people are creating the image of God and they have value, you cannot be OK with people with value being who are vulnerable being mistreated. So like literally um, it, it, it really pisses me off and, it, and it, it creates a barrier between people and God and people who are showing up because they have some at least some interest in knowing who God is. And it's like like not everybody's interested in knowing who God is. So like especially those who are like, hey, I want to show up and see what this is all about to to put a barrier like that in the way for them to know God um, is just frustrating. Yeah, and, and I think it also puts puts God in a in a box um, because you're you know it it makes 
it makes him look finite when when he's not right. you know uh, mm-hmm. that it's that it's that it's money and 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 we need this money in order to to buy this or we need this money in order to do that no you don't need money and right. and that's what i'm saying with 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 bethel with the south side community like you said you know, you've got uh individuals that travel in groups uh, the, the groups that they have, everybody has a mechanic. They get it done. Yep. They get it done. They, they don't, you know, like in some of these groups, they don't have a whole lot of money. Bills still get paid. Yep. Cars still get worked on. They still have a place to live. Uh, and, and they just find a way to work it. So, I mean, the thing is for somebody to say, well, we need money in order for God to work. I mean, it does. It puts them in a box. Yep. This is God, God needs money in order for that to happen. No, right. You need money. So, yeah, again, uh, um, I don't know if you listen to any of the, the the stuff that, you know, like Josh and I were talking about first couple of weeks or anything like that. Actually, but, I have now. But OK, yeah. so so we we. We didn't we I we didn't approach you before this no. and say now Jeremy say this uh, no, no, say this not. it's our podcast so we get we get Josh to is say standing over here with cue cards and he's yeah. holding yeah, he's, he's, did he's, I read that okay did it sound authentic yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no so. no I, like it really does bother me so like in any place any time you know any platform uh, that I'd have the opportunity to call them out for what they're doing I would take full advantage of that. Okay, so I'm going to ask. So, and this isn't this isn't part of the outline, but I'm I'm just going to ask because, like, I'm curious to know. And this is a question, you know, you think about, you know, it's like if you won the lottery, what you would do with this or that or whatever. If you had, if you had, Kenneth Copeland's salary yeah. and and his and his ministry's income for a year. Okay, and there's you know like I'm I'm asking off the cuff here like this like isn't Brewster's a prepared millions. question it's uh, it's not part yeah. of the outline or anything like that but if you had basically a limitless source of income yeah what would you do with it um, the first thing we'd probably do is build a new building um, our building's old and small and falling apart so that does limit what we're capable of doing. Sure. Um, so I would definitely build a new building, but I mean, it wouldn't be like, there'd be no gold in the <laughs> gold encrusted right. carpet. <laughs> it would just be to, to make things more functional. Um, this and, is God's house. Right. Um, and I mean, after that, uh, I would, I would probably start hiring people and, you know, hiring that position of sending somebody out on the streets. Um, right now, I mean, with, with COVID, we haven't been having youth group, but but I've been the lead pastor and the youth pastor. You know, it'd be nice to have a youth pastor. Sure, and, absolutely. And, you know, so we'd, we'd definitely be hiring on some positions. In all honesty, I'd probably also love to hire on somebody who's who uh, is a real counselor because there's just so much need for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done past, I've done a, a marriage counseling with with many couples, um, and and there's just so much brokenness that. Um, I would say it's above my pay grade. Like I can help to some degree, but you know, to have somebody who's uh, a full time has a degree in it, you know, and that's that's what they were really made for. Because that's not entirely my main mission, you know. So sure. having somebody that we could hire on for that would be great. Um, but you know, and and just 
you know, continue to use whatever funds we have to continue to build relationships. And Dude, can you imagine what your breakfast would be like? Be like donuts, <laughs> man. I don't need donuts. Eggs. We got steaks and eggs Benedict. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> With hollandaise sauce. <laughs> That's uh, right. I don't know. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I hate putting you on the spot because I'm sure, you know, like if you if you leave here, you think about it, you know, like what 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 would I do if I had that kind of uh, that kind of income, even just for a year, right. to to do to invest back into the church? You know, you may you may think about that. Uh, you know, like and if you do, and you come up with a different response or whatever, you know, like uh, I'll definitely let the listeners know. But so I hate to put you on right. the spot like that, but it's like, yeah, man, and I'd hire him, but I'd say, hey. We've got this for a year. <laughs> let's see. Let's see how far we can make this go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool, though, man. I I appreciate you at least uh, humoring me. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, um, what is what is your message uh, to the, to listeners uh, about about Christ versus the the terminology of of Christian, and and how would you encourage those? Uh, how would you encourage people to take a chance uh, just on faith? Where, or how would you encourage people to um, to say, hey, you know, like, just give it a chance? Like, you know, like, so uh, let me rephrase the question. So what is your message to those listening about Christ versus Christian or, or Christianity? Um, and, and what would you say to those that are on the fence? So... Unfortunately, and again, I want to speak from humility and go, I don't have everything all together myself. Um, but unfortunately, I would also have to say that I think in, in America that the church in particular, the mainstream church, is not, uh, they don't know much about who God is. They don't know much about what he wants. Um, it's in a lot of ways, I think it's, it's a country club or something of that. Like, you know, it's like, uh, this is my, my, my group of people that I can go be, you know, share life with. And because I put some money in the offering plate, like I paid my dues. And so like, if I, when I come in, I want to be treated like I'm important, uh, you know, and I, I want to have a say in what co- the color of the carpet looks like, you know, they should value my opinion as, Chairs the, or pews. as the, you know, yeah. as the country club member, you know, and so, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that, you know, a lot that comes with that is, is people being very turfy and territorial and uh, uh, almost this complete apathy to a relationship with the living God and with loving people outside of the church. And so, um I think there are a lot of, of pastors who want to do better um, and are trying to move things into a better place. Um, but there's been a lot of mistakes made in the church in America um, for quite a while now. And so for a lot of people, they're like, man, I don't want anything to do with the church. And though my church isn't perfect and you're not going to find any other perfect church, I think there are some churches that are popping up that uh, – get who God is, get what his mission is and want to share at least his heart. understand compassion mm-hmm. and what it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it's so frustrating when, and I've seen this firsthand when people literally care more about the building than about people who have souls, you know, that, that matter, you know? And, yeah. and like, I mean, just to give you a story that I saw at one time, I was at a church and uh, this girl who had never been to this church before, and I don't know, she might have gone to other churches for all I know, but this might have been her first experience ever in a church for all I know as well. 
and uh, they had like beach balls that all the kids were like playing around with. And she was probably a little older than most of the kids who were playing around with it. She was maybe like a fourth or fifth grader, while the other ones were, like first and second graders. Well, she ends up kicking this beach ball, and it flies straight up into the ceiling fan and hits it, and the ceiling fan stops. And stops moving at all, and so like I'm 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 there. I see this happen, and my first thought was, I wonder how she feels right now. And there was other adults around who saw this happen as well, and their first thought was, and I mean this makes me like I don't want to come across like I'm trying to say I'm better than them, but I, but their first thought was is the ceiling fan going to work again? You know, mm. and so they walk over to that and they you got the remote and they're pushing buttons and, and clearly visible on their faces is frustration, frustration yeah. that the ceiling fan's not working. And I see the girl after she kicks the ball and it hits the ceiling fan, she immediately knows she's in trouble. I mean, that's her yeah. first thought is I'm in trouble, walks over to a wall and sits down at the wall, done. Like all the other kids are still playing. Most people don't even know that the ceiling fan's been hit. And she's sitting down on the floor by herself. And and I watch other people go over to the ceiling fan with lots of facial expressions. And so, I mean, I went to this girl knowing that, like, for all I know, this might be her very first experience at church. And the message that's going to be sent is one of, like, this: the, the cost of the ceiling fan is more than the value of your soul. Value, yeah, value of your soul, value of your happiness, you know? I mm. mean, like, you know, th- she's completely distraught, and, you know, she is, all she needs to know is, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Right. Let, let the adults figure out the fan thing. And you it, know, it, like, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, you, and if the ceiling playing. fan cost a million dollars, which I'm sure it didn't cost no. a million dollars, that's still, like, who cares? Like, this is a person, you know? Like, yeah. and so, like, You're people, fine. Keep playing. Yeah, people matter more than possessions. And, and so... Um, and she'll remember that. That's her experience, that's her experience of, of this, you know, this atmosphere that she's in. She'll remember that. She'll go in there and look up at the fan. Is it working? Uh, did they fix it? You know, like, worried, right. anxiety. She shouldn't have that for no, that. No, I don't know. So, and I mean, that that's one story of, of many stories where, you know, people, because it's like this country club membership thing where they're so concerned about it looking right, it, it feeling right. And a and, sense of entitlement mm, that, that comes with it, you know? And, yeah, sure. Instead of valuing other people. And, and so that... I, uh, though that's that's the experience I think a lot of people have had with churches. What I would encourage you with is that's not actually Christianity. That that's mm-hmm. a fake version of Christianity. That's not God's heart at all. Mm-hmm. And that there are people out there who do know God and and want to gather with other people who know who who know the actual God and uh, live out what a church should look like, where where relationship with God and relationship with people are a big deal to them. Yeah, absolutely. So then moving forward, is there anything, so individuals who do not belong to a church, uh, I mean, is there anything that that you would encourage uh, to do uh, on their own? Like, obviously not necessarily, well, hey, come to Bethel, because I know that you wouldn't say that, but but I'm saying like, uh, is there anything that, uh, that, you know, that you would encourage individuals to do on their own. I know, again, like going back to the last podcast and talking about um, background, you just you started opening up the you 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 bought a Bible, mm-hmm. you left it there for good measure, right. uh, and then and then started opening it up, reading it, you mm-hmm. know, and and going that way. 
Uh, I mean, would you would you go that route? Would you say, hey, why not? I mean, give it a try, and you you may actually find yourself enjoying it. Uh, or, I mean, is there a different approach that you would take? Uh, like for an individual that doesn't have a church, would you say, you know, go, you know, get right into a church, invest right in a church? Or how? what's the approach that you would take? Or what would you encourage listeners to do uh, that don't currently belong to a church, that don't currently go to a church, but, but want to start at least having a relationship with Christ? Right. Well, I'd say two things about it. First of all, you don't need to to be in a church to grow in your relationship with God. I think God did design the church to help us to grow uh, when the church is functioning properly, um, but that's not the only way we grow. We can we can grow. I mean, in some ways, I would compare it to sports. You know, like, you know, football is played with other people, but you can actually become a better football player by working out on your own as well. So, I mean, I would obviously that's encourage you. I would encourage you to, you know, read the Bible and pray and uh, get to know God on your own as best as you can. Well, at the same time, I'd also say don't give up on the church. And what I would encourage you to do is to check out many churches, actually. And, you know, keep checking out churches as long as it takes for you to find a church that you believe is uh, living as God wants them to live. And I mean, maybe in your lifetime you never find one, but even if that's the case, I would still tell you never to give up because if, uh, you know, the the off chance that you do find the right one, uh, it'd be worth it the time that you spent looking for the right one. And I do believe that if you found the right one, um, that you would, uh, you would experience more joy, be able to be a part of more of what God's doing. Like there's so many reasons why it would be good for you to be a part of a good church. So I would tell, I would encourage you don't give up on churches, check out many churches, and feel free to, you know, if you go one Sunday and you're like, nope, this is not the one, then next week go to a different one and never go back to that one. Or even allow yourself to go, I'm going to be like, this church is maybe maybe what I'm looking for, maybe take a whole entire year there, you know, still, you know, trying to feel out whether or not that you really believe that this is a church that's moving in the right direction, whatever you need to do. Um, But another part too, like, no church is perfect. And so if you get to a church that's that's almost there, but not exactly what help help them get in the right place too. Like you know, if if, the, if there's some things that they're missing, and you know what they're missing, but there's a lot of stuff that you love about them, uh, don't look for just one reason to leave. You know, if there's just a couple of things that you would like to see better, be part of that solution and help them move in the right way. Awesome. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I I I like that. I like that response a lot. Is there is there anything else at this point like that, that we haven't talked about that we haven't addressed that you that you just want to just want to shoot off the cuff if i had a million dollars i'm sorry question uh question came in from the uh spectators what books of the bible say it again, say it again josh what books of the Bible would you recommend? Cliff Snell's version of Josh's question. Chuck, Chuck, it's your cousin, Marvin, Marvin Berry. You know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. It's a Back to the Future. It yeah. is. <laughs> Good call. Anyway, back on topic. Yeah, books, books of the Bible. What books of the Bible would you encourage listeners to, uh, to read? So I think one that I would 
point to is that, uh, I mean, there, there's just so many good books in the Bible, but uh, one that I think could be really helpful is, is reading through 1 Corinthians. And the reason I say that is because their church was actually a mess, and Paul was actually addressing a lot of the messiness of the, the church in Corinth when he wrote uh, that letter to them. And so, I mean, it's a great example of how churches uh, can have flaws, but that God can still be in their midst and still be trying to move them in the right direction. So if you're somebody who's like, hey, churches seem to be just a mess, uh, 1 Corinthians is a great one to look at a mess that's that God hasn't given up on. Um, another book that I love is is the book of Romans. Um, it just does such a great job of teaching what how the Old Testament led to the New Testament and what the gospel is and means and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Sorry, I'm going to interject for a second and, and give Terry the floor. Okay. Terry? Oh, yeah, well, uh, when you mentioned Romans, Romans. <laughs> 16, 19 says... Yeah. Sorry, he yeah, was dying that, to say that. Yeah, it just stuck in my head. Oh, uh, we were talking <laughs> you ever, about. Uh, you ever heard that song? Uh uh-uh. uh no. Oh yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a good. It's, <laughs> it's good an one. oldie but a goodie. An oldie but a goodie. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, you know, you're talking about. Um, you know what the question was was, uh, you know, what would you recommend? You know, me being uh, not a churchgoer, mm-hmm. um, borderline on the fence, of agnostic. What would you recommend to me to, you know, because I'm interested in looking into the Bible, but. You know, I don't want to just start at Genesis chapter one. Right. Um, Romans is my favorite book in the Bible, and it it does just such a great job of kind of laying out, hey, because I mean, a lot of times people who even go to church, like, don't know what to do with the Old Testament. Like, what is that for? You know, Jesus comes here and we we see what Jesus did and everything that comes after that. What's all this stuff for? And, And Romans does a good job of pointing out that all of the Old Testament was actually preparing people for Jesus to come. It's like, it's all, uh, uh, pointing ahead to him and his need for coming. So Romans does a great job of talking about why the Old Testament exists, what Jesus actually came to do, and then how do we as Christians and as church members live it out. And I, I think it's just really clear on everything. Um, I mean, there's some hard things to Romans too, uh, but uh, it's it just, it, it, to me, like if there was only one book in the Bible and that's all we had access to, Romans would be the one that I would want people to, to read. Excellent. I yeah. will look into that. Awesome. Uh, Josh, any, any more questions from, from the peanut gallery? He said, no, I mean, I've enjoyed sitting back here listening. Uh, Jeremy, is there anything that, that you would like to add? I don't know. I'm better at answering questions than shooting well, from the hip. <laughs> I, 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 I really appreciate it. Again, I really appreciate you taking the amount of time that you took. I mean, originally, you know, like it was supposed to be just one podcast. There was way too much information for us to fit in one podcast. Even just you uh, allowing us to interview you for one podcast was awesome. Uh, but but we got two, and, and I feel like uh, like all I did was ask questions, and then you take it away like and, and talk the whole time. Uh, in a good way. Uh, but, uh, but I, I, you know, like I really appreciate, uh, the time that you, uh, provided for us. And of course, Josh appreciates it too, while he's twiddling his toes, drinking a fresco. <laughs> and, um, and so again, I wish Bethel the best. I, I, I wish you the best, uh, in, in this endeavor. I, I understand that it's, 
it's a huge undertaking uh, with a lot of unknowns, a lot of uh, pressure and possibly intimidation uh, in, in some cases, but then also uh, a, a very uh, a, an opportunity to for a very rewarding situation, but in a non-selfish way. Um, oh. Like, uh, uh, I think it's really cool, man. I mean, like, yeah. I just, I can't, uh, I, I can't, I can't get over the homeless bit, man. Yeah, that, 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 was, uh, that was awesome, you know, the whole homeless thing. I mean, that, it's a great that's, idea. That's a very original idea, and... I'm stealing it. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me while I drop this down. Yeah, just kidding. Now, who can I pay to hang out with homeless yeah. people? No, uh, no, I really, I really do think it's a, a great idea. And, and again, I, I appreciate you sharing um, the information. Uh, I appreciate your church uh, and what they're doing on the South side, what uh, the hard work that you're putting in and the hard work that the, the community does just as a whole uh, putting one foot in front of the other, like I said, I can definitely relate. Cool. I'm I'm not in that in that you know particular state right now, and Ooh. you know I'm I'm fortunate and and thankful, but uh, but again, I can I can definitely relate and and understand the the hard work that goes into that, but also pride, uh, and uh, I certainly hope that challenge wise. Um, that with other ministries coming in, you know, like to say, well, you know, and then saying, I did this, I deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I wish the best for your ministry. Thank and you. For, I, for you I really appreciate family. that. Yeah. Yeah, thank for, thanks for show, showing up. And helping, yeah. You know, it's been my just, pleasure. I've enjoyed this. So guys, that was, uh, it was Jeremy, uh, with, uh, Bethel church. Uh, can you provide your contact information again for, for this podcast? I would appreciate it as uh, that way we have it just in case somebody listens to this one and not, you know, right. Not both. So my, my phone number, and it's actually the church's phone number too. It goes right to my cell is 406-794-4624. And I'll, I can give you my email too. It's the letter J for Jeremy. Uh, so Born B-O-U-R-N-E, at BethelBillings.com. Perfect. Excellent. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and thanks again for joining us. Uh, once again, listeners, uh, subscribe, follow, like. Uh, comment if you have comments or questions for Jeremy as well. Uh, you can certainly leave it on uh, any of the grit uh, social media pages, and we'll certainly make sure that it gets to him. Uh, relay the information, and then of course uh, uh, send correspondence back in approximately two business days. No, uh, <laughs> as, uh, basically uh, we we can be the go between and definitely get that question to him uh, for for any uh, questions that you may have. Once again, this is. Uh, this is grit. I was hoping Josh would come up and say in the, somebody's the, mic, the raw, raw, unpolished, uncut <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> 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 <laughs>